Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to DNF, DNF, the finest Formula One podcast in the known universe. I am Spencer Hall, joined by Jessica Smetana. Jessica, we have a special guest today, and I do not want to tarry. What what do we have going on? We have Alana's King. She's the co-host of the Donut Racing Show. She's also the co-author of Rich Energy. Alanis, thank you for joining us. You are at the Indy 500 this weekend, so we're going to chit-chat a little bit about that, since I know Spencer and I both have had people just begging us to talk about IndyCar in our in our menchies since we started this podcast. We will finally be doing that today. But finally. we also want to talk about the Monaco Grand Prix and everything going on in the wide F1 world heading into the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend. That is so exciting. I can't wait to talk about it. All right. Should we begin with the Indy 500? What is the Indy 500? <laughs> I'm only half kidding because I've never watched this event and I planned to this year, but then I was at a wedding. So give us a little F give F1 fans who maybe aren't into IndyCar a little bit of a overview of what is going on in that event. Oh, I love this. Okay. So the Indy 500, of course, happens just in the middle of America in like the middle of some fields and everybody who lives around these fields gets really excited. Um, it's a super fun race. Uh, this Sunday, I think there were 325,000 people there. It's a giant facility. You can only see like slivers of the track depending on where your seats are because the facility is so big and there are so many people in it. Basically, the Indy 500 has been happening for decades and decades and decades back when the racetrack was just a bunch of bricks. Now there's just a little sliver of bricks on the starting lines and the rest of it is paved like a normal racetrack. It was part of the Formula One calendar for a few years in the 1950s, I believe. And now it's just an IndyCar race. So this is basically one of the crown jewel racing events in the world. You have Indy, you have Monaco, the Daytona 500, things like that. This is one of the big ones. And even if you don't watch IndyCar, this is usually the one you tune into because it's the big one. I saw this um, social post from IndyCar, I think like a week ago, and they asked drivers, would you rather win an IndyCar championship or the Indy 500? And all of them said the Indy 500. So that just goes to show 
how big of a race this is, how much global presence it has, and also how big of a deal it is if you win. Is that just because of the milk? They just want... Yeah, totally. It's because of the milk. Um, no, mm. I really think it has this um, it has this global significance because it's not just an IndyCar race and it hasn't just been an IndyCar race in its entire history. Formula One drivers came and did it. It was the big place to test your technology for many, many years. And so while now it is just part of the IndyCar schedule, it has such a deep history that people regard it very, very highly. Also, Alanis, it has yeah. the most possessed trophy in all of yes. sports. I think it's like the closest to if Hellraiser made a trophy. So true. Because so true. It's a if you don't know, it's a gigantic trophy cup, but it's honeycombed. <laughs> if you win, they put your face on it. They do. So it looks like your little soul is trapped. It's inside. it's like the Game of Thrones wall that um, mm -hmm. in like the Hall of Faces. It's giving it's giving that kind of same energy. It's a little mm -hmm. creepy. Well, not only that, but I was there with Elizabeth Blackstock, who I know has been on here before. Mm. I was at the race with her, and she posted, I think, a story leading into the race that said, you would never know this by looking at photos of that trophy, but the man on top of that trophy is actually completely naked. It's just oh. photographed. It's photographed yep. from an angle nope, that you're right. covers him up. <laughs> and <laughs> he's he not. He, well, he doesn't have, like, a little leaf covering him either no, no and hanging. so the, yeah it's yeah. hanging and the, most of the photos you look at like his arm is in the way or whatever so we went up to the trophy at the track and she was so excited to get a picture of the naked man on top of the trophy unobscured so it was fantastic well, this is exactly why we had you on the show. So wow, this I'm is so the type glad. of IndyCar coverage you are not going to get anywhere else. So tell us what happened this weekend. I know there was a big crash. We were chatting about it in our, our Formula One group chat, Spencer, Doug, and I. So what happened with that? And I know there was a little bit of controversy about restarting the race afterwards. Yeah, there was a whole thing. So basically the race, the first half of the race went by so quickly. We we're all sitting there like this race is going to be over in 45 minutes. It's This is going to be one of the fastest ones in history. And this usually happens in these big races. The first half of it goes by so fast. And you're like, all right, this is going to be easy. Nothing's going to happen. And then everybody starts getting wild. So there was a huge crash. It was Kyle Kirkwood. And Kyle Kirkwood ends up flipping over and skidding across the ground upside down. And you see the in-car camera. And he actually opens his visor. And there have been a lot of people debating that online since it happened. Like you're inches from the ground. And there's a bunch of like sparks and fire going on. And you opened your visor. Why did you do that? And Kyle said, well, everything is black. I am going across the ground at a high rate of speed. I don't know where I'm at or what I'm doing. My instinct was to open my visor so that I wasn't just looking at blackness. And a lot of people were like, why would you do that? Obviously, he did it because he didn't know where he was at. Like, he was freaked out. And so if you watch the in-car video and you watch the wreck, it's a really freaky wreck. Um, at one point, the wheel came off of the car and went over the grandstands and into a parking area and hit someone's car. It was a Chevrolet Cruze. Uh, yes, what? a Chevy Cruze. And the track has already said they're buying that person a new car um, mm -hmm. because basically on these cars, you have wheel tethers. So the whole point is when you see a car wreck, the wheels usually stay near the car instead of rolling away or bouncing away or whatever. The wheel tether failed and the tire went 
flying and it really could have hurt someone very badly. It hurt that car very badly. Um, these are heavy, wreck. heavy tires, right? Yes. I do you know how heavy they're mm -hmm. off the top of your head. So I don't know how heavy the IndyCar tires are off the top of my head, but I did train to be on a NASCAR pit crew about a year ago. And the NASCAR wheel and tires combined are 47 to 48 pounds. And this yeah. is like flying at a high Jeez. rate of speed. Mm -hmm. And normally, and tethers not supposed to break. Just FYI. Not, not supposed to break. They, that, that ain't supposed to happen. But the wreck yeah. was so violent. Um, and was actually a secondary wreck involving full velocity. Not a primary wreck where somebody hit the wall. This was another car clipping, right? Kirkwood clipping another car and the tire flying into the stands. A terrifying like 30 seconds before somebody pinpointed, yeah, that didn't hit anyone. Yeah, it was, it was really horrifying. Um, I think a lot of us kind of we're sitting there like, oh, what's going on? And then we saw the replay and we saw the tire go into the stands. I think a lot of people at the track didn't realize what happened with the tire for at least five minutes because we were all so freaked out like, oh, is Kyle Kirkwood okay? What's going on? And it was a, it's a good reminder. I always think the Indy 500 and these high-speed Indy car races, I wouldn't say it was a good reminder, but it's a very vivid reminder of how dangerous this stuff is mm -hmm. because you watch a NASCAR race or a Formula One race, and most of the time the Formula One drivers don't hit each other because that's against the rules. And in NASCAR, those cars are very, very safe. So you don't realize that this is a very, very, very dangerous sport. And you watch something like what happened with Kyle where his – head is inches off the ground as he's sliding at high speed and you're like oh these people out here could die as i am watching them it's freaky it is it is it, i think that's one of the critiques that formula one fans who have endless critiques of indycar point out that racing ovals or rectangular ovals in the case of indianapolis is itself a blood sport it is always an inch or two away from the worst kind of racing disaster the kind that f1 has managed to largely avoid over uh, with some notable tragic exceptions over the past 30 to 40 years only because they have their own huge history of bloodshed and carnage back in the early days of the sport itself um what i wanted to say was there are a lot of critiques that f1 fans have of indycar but as someone who bridges both worlds what are some things that you think okay indycar does this better like i think indycar does this better than f1 Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I would say, yeah, you're totally right about like the days of death and destruction. Uh, actually, a lot of there were a lot of deaths at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And if you look at the Formula One Wikipedia and you look at like most most deaths per track, Indianapolis is up there because of those 10 years that Indy was classified as a Formula One race. So there's a lot of death going on a few decades ago. It's hard to say what I think IndyCar does better than Formula One because I think they each have their own merits. I think IndyCar does have more general competition. Formula One gets criticized for the same people winning in certain eras. IndyCar, you go in and a lot of those cars are competitive. IndyCar is also just more accessible and more relatable. So these teams aren't spending as much money. If you buy a ticket to an IndyCar race, you can rather affordably get into the paddock and be near the drivers and do stuff like that. It is a more accessible sport, not just from a fan perspective, but from a competition perspective. Because if you look at Formula One budgets, the cap is, you know, what, 200 million, wherever it's at now. 
IndyCar, these teams are spending like 15 to 30, I think, last time I checked. So it's much more affordable and sustainable of a sport, but you can also get much closer to it, which is very, very cool. And at Indianapolis, the general admission areas include the Pagoda Plaza and like you're right near the garage and you're right near all of these people. It's a very fun and involved event. And I think they do that very, very well. Well, I think we should talk a little bit about Monaco. Speaking of sure. inaccessible Formula One <laughs> events, um, mm -hmm. this is the most glitzy and glamorous race on the Formula One schedule, I believe. It's also ones that fans have the most uh, controversial opinions about it existing. And I think this year you saw why, and you also saw you saw an argument for and against, I think, because qualifying was super exciting. It was an absolutely phenomenal final run by Max Verstappen to win pole position. But then on Sunday, the race wasn't like it, it was better than last year's race, but it still didn't have a lot of overtaking. And generally, the only variable was really the weather. So where do you fall on the Monaco being on the calendar uh, side of the debate? Oh, this is a good question. I want to hear where y'all fall on this debate too. I think the problem is not necessarily Monaco. It's that Monaco is not compatible with these cars. These cars are huge. It's impossible to pass. Like you just can't do it. And you take other cars out there like a Formula E car, which is a smaller, easier car to drive around this kind of circuit, which is very, very tight and has like, there's no room. You take those cars out there the racing is all right. You take a Formula One car out there, you just can't get around people. We saw that on the first lap where the back markers, they all had to slow down for an issue. And Checo, who started 20th, just kind of had to stop. It's like a parking lot. It's like you're at the grocery store and someone is crossing the street at the grocery store. You have to stop because you cannot get around them. And it's unfortunate. I don't think I don't think it's Monaco's fault, though. I do think it's the fault of these cars are just not compatible with Monaco. But I'm curious what y'all think. Spencer, what do you think? I, I've never asked you your opinion on this before. I am okay with Monaco being ceremonial. There are people who say run them in Formula E cars or run them in carts. I like the idea of racing, you know, putting them in actual like juvenile cart racing size cars. Totally agree. Right? Because that's we're talking it is a Mario Kart track. Right, It is tiny, it is scenic, it is, I think, largely a vestige of F1's past. And I think it's important to keep that, and you treat it something like the Winter Classic in the NHL, where you say, okay, this is a, this is a remnant of what was, and it's a reminder of what the sport came from. If you want an actual competitive race about it, you will have to change the actual vehicles they race at, because um, Monaco has 36,000 people, all of them are millionaires, some of them are billionaires, they're not changing shit about the city. They're not widening, widening the roads. Nothing about that track will change because they're not changing anything for the race. This is, the, people underestimate the sort of pull Monaco has on the sport. This is the first year that F1 produced the race on TV. That's the mm -hmm. first year before it. It was somewhat shoddily done by a, a Monaco-based production company <laughs> that ran the whole thing. This is one thing F1 fans were crowing about when it was on, was that the production itself was now, you know, oh, so much better. Which I agree, by the way. They actually did link, like if you watched it, they did a better job linking up the sections. You kind of had a, a better understanding. I thought it was much better, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was night and day because now you could sort of see how the whole track flowed together and get a sense of scale for the race because it's tiny. 
place is one is 0.8 square miles. That's when you multiply, right? Like it's 0.8 square miles for the entire thing. But I don't think the race itself necessarily needs to be competitive outside of qualifying. Everyone just needs to think of it differently. Qualifying is the race, right? We say this about a lot of F1 races. It is true to an extreme with Monaco. I think it's very exciting if you look at it that way. It was for me watching Verstappen nail down a thrilling final quali lap in Q3. That's the race. That that to me is the race. You make it a sort of celebration, a cultural festival surrounding F1 that just happens to have a thrilling qualifying and a mostly ceremonial race in the middle of it. That's my pitch. I'm with you. I don't mind them having a race like this on the calendar that scratches that itch that has the history and the tradition and all those other things, but maybe doesn't have the most thrilling mm -hmm. uh, setup. There's a number of other street circuits on the calendar that I actually think if they wanted to get rid of a race where people aren't overtaking that I would, mm -hmm. I would decapitate first before, uh, before cutting off Monaco. But, um, I actually think maybe the bigger problem is that we have all these street circuits jumbled up like one after the other. Like we just had Miami, we had, uh, Saudi Arabia starts the season Baku right before Miami. Mm -hmm. And like, that is kind of more annoying to me because it'd be, I think it'd be better to have more variations. Of course, I don't make the calendar, so I'm sure that that's difficult to do because people would probably prefer that that run F1 also. But I, I don't mind it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to watch. It's fun to look at. And this year we got the helicopter view. Um, oh, the helicopter we got the was better, pro pro better production. And that actually brings me to another question I wanted to ask you, Alanis, because I saw that this was like a big meme thing on Twitter, a, a thing that, you know, real F1 heads were talking about from the race that wasn't really necessarily talked about too much on the broadcast, but the cranes that have to pick up oh. the cars. So when the cranes pick up the cars and you can see the floor, that is something that most engineers from other teams don't have access to. So can you kind of explain to fans why that, that why that's a big deal and, you know, what an engineer might learn when they see the floor of a car being hoisted throughout the air? Oh, this is so fun. Yeah. So um, I remember when I was a kid, I went to a NASCAR race one time and I got to see the cars. And so in a NASCAR hauler, they have a backup car on a second level. So it's above you. And they were like, just don't take any photos from below the car. Like, don't look up at the car and take photos of it because race teams do not want you to see the bottoms of their cars. A lot of times this is because aerodynamics are just important as on top of the cars as they are below the cars. So you want to have a floor that shoots air through and keeps the downforce. So you do not want there to be a lot of disruption on the floor. You want the air to go through it in a way that creates a lot of downforce on this car and makes it faster. These Red Bulls are very, very, very fast. So when you pick up, let's say, Checo's car after qualifying and we get this view of it that we never see because these cars are on the ground, that does, in a way, give away some of the secrets that you wouldn't have seen. A lot of the other aerodynamic capabilities you see because you're looking at these cars head on. You can see what's going on with all the shapes and all that. You pick up the car, you take away that little bit of secrecy that these teams had that they were playing with. And in Formula One, especially, you get so much freedom with the design of the car and the floor is part of that. So when people can take photos of the floor of your car and examine them and maybe see what they could do better, it's 
it puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage. And it was really funny to see the teams kind of freak out about that because <laughs> they were like, can you stop picking up our car so high? Can you stop twirling it around for everyone? Like there are too many camera angles of this. It's basically that's the one part of the car that you can keep a secret aerodynamically because people aren't looking at it. And then once you pick it up, it's not a secret anymore. I think it's time to go to reader questions because I was just going to say the same thing. Let's let's start with uh, I actually wanted to start with one because I pulled Mm up Lance Stroll's uh, his his finishes over the season. So the question, I believe, was um, how long does Lawrence Stroll tolerate his kid getting owned by an old dude? Um, I'd like to point out Fernando, not technically old yet, but he will be old sooner than everyone else that races in formula one. Um, but Lance Stroll has finished sixth DNF fourth, seventh, 12th and DNF this season. And we worth mentioning the first race of the season and second, probably he was dealing with the wrist injury because he got in an accident and seemed like he was really hurt. And that was actually like one of his best, (laughs) probably one of his best races of the season. And since then, uh, Fernando Alonso has finished, third, 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 fourth, third, second. So even if you take into account some of the luck and other things that maybe are involved, like it, it, now we've watched six races, right? We know that Aston Martin has a faster car this year and Fernando Alonso is consistently on the podium. So how long are they going to let Lance Stroll drive the other Aston Martin car? And has this all kind of blown up in Aston Martin's face? Ooh, I think this is a very 50-50 question because if you bring in someone who is not as good as Lance because you want Lance to look like the star driver, then you lose kind of the appeal that we're seeing with Fernando finishing so well because right now Red Bull is on top and Aston Martin is the very clear second team. And they're the very clear second team because Fernando is doing so well. You take that away they don't become the very clear second team anymore. And ultimately that's important for marketing. That's important for the fandom. It's important in a lot of ways. Also, if you bring someone in who is not as good as Lance and who won't finish as well as Lance, then Lance has no one to learn from. And also there's probably a drain on him because the other person has to learn from him. So Fernando can go out there do stuff like make notes about the car, make notes about how it's performing. And that can help Lance. If you bring in just like a random rookie or just a random person, you don't really have that benefit anymore. So yes, Fernando is clearly the star right now, but I think it's beneficial in my opinion. What do y'all think? Uh, That Lance Stroll has been racing in formula one for a shockingly long time. (laughs) I know it's horrible. It makes you feel old. 2017. It's been racing oh, since 20. Awful. This is his seventh season. His seventh, and he has had two podiums in the court in seven years. He has had two podiums. Do you feel More like Nico Hulkenberg retroactively different about Sebastian Vettel, or are you just like new year, new car? Like this is not the same car Vettel was driving last season. I think. I think it's like that. Um, that meme you see where the guy is digging in the dirt toward the diamonds and he can't see that there are diamonds in front of him. And then he turns around and gives up. It's like, a, I think it's like a gambling meme, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's Sebastian. Like he left right before he hit those diamonds and then Fernando got them, which is so funny. Um, so Fernando, like, to which me, is that so is the, Fer- most, the most Alonso yes. thing is to vulture that is to just come in and go, yes. aha, aha, I got it. No, that's exactly it. And it's so, 
Sebastian to, I haven't heard him say a single thing about like, oh yeah, I should have stayed because he didn't want to stay. Like he didn't want to stay even if the car was good. And would it have been the coolest thing in the world to see Sebastian Vettel performing like Fernando is right now? Yes. But do I think Sebastian regrets it? Uh, I, I haven't seen him say that. And I would say probably not. I have some wish fulfillment here in this next question. Ocon was the first non-top team driver we've seen on the podium since Imola last year, I think. It will go with that. Uh, so which driver would you be most stoked to see next? Parenthetical. And why is it Yuki Sonoda? Okay, this is blatant pandering to me, and I appreciate yes, that. Yes, definitely. Right? But 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 seriously, what, why is it Yuki? It is Yuki. I think Yuki's just all of our favorites. Um, Yuki's the best. Like, you know this. I do. And I think this is also has some basis in truth because, um, and, and I think anyone who's watched Formula One this season can say, he's been pretty good. And I think given the curve, Alpha Tari, they're not just happy with him. I think they're thrilled with as as productive as he has been with that car for that team. I think you've seen that he has been consistently competitive at the level that Alpha Tari can function at. They're not Alpine, right? Alpine, like I think some people might confuse them for being Alpine in terms of where they are tier-wise. They're not. They're not. Yuki is consistently outperforming what his car is capable of. And I think people get excited about that. I love bubble stuff because it lends to silly season. When we get to the off season, you go, well, who's shooting better than their overall possible percentage? Like who's who's got the greatest like value over replacement driver, right? Not to infect us with baseball stats. But like when you Saber look at metrics. it, yeah, this is why people <laughs> got excited about George Russell, right? Why people are sort of still Sauber metrics. Yes, mm -hmm. Sauber metrics. You can name God, you can name damn. the podcast that Doug Sauber. But um that's despicable Jessica and I love it. I love it. Uh, but but I think that's why people get excited about this kind of stuff is because they go, ooh, I found a hidden gem. Yuki is mm -hmm. the hidden gem. Not only is he likable, the dude can actually drive. This kind of ignores the fact that everyone here, even, yes, Lance Stroll, can drive their ass <laughs> off. Right? Ouch. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And I also, yeah, Yuki's just really likable. Obviously, he had a few outbursts, like, in the past few years. He had a few anger outbursts. Um, but his time on Drive to Survive, him just, like, not wanting to work out and not wanting to do all mm -hmm. this, he's so relatable. And also... He's just interesting. I remember at the U.S. Grand Prix last year, I was at a ping pong place and they brought Yuki and Pierre. And it was really fun. Like, Pierre was really good at ping pong. Yuki was, like, decent at ping pong. He was much better than me. But he was just kind of jumping all over the place. And Pierre looked like a scarecrow. So Pierre would make, like, one move and, like, step with one foot and hit the ping pong ball. And Yuki is jumping all over the place, like doing like slams of the ping pong balls. He doesn't care like if he scores points. He's just like hitting the ball as hard as he can. He's funny and he's interesting and he's likable. Completely agree. He is he is probably one of the funniest people on that entire show. Like he he knows comedic relief better than anyone else. Um, I have a, a crossover motorsport question for you, Alanis, that I oh. think you would be perfect for answering. Uh -oh. This is from a fan. Funniest place to swap NASCAR slash F1, teams, fans and all, Monaco slash Martinsville. And then you can also include IndyCar if you'd like. 
So I think this is, yeah, this is a good question, not just because it's fans and atmosphere and stuff, but you have to realistically say, where would F1 drivers not die? Like, I'm not going to say F1 at Daytona. They're mm-hmm. going to die. <laughs> like, would it be fun? Yes. In theory, would they die? Yes. So we're not going to do that. I think the funniest place to swap F1 and NASCAR would be probably Monaco, but Bristol dirt. So if you don't know much about NASCAR, um, basically Bristol is one of the main jewels on the NASCAR calendar. Everybody loves Bristol. They used to pack it out twice a year when attendance dropped and like NASCAR wasn't doing so hot in the past few years. They were like, what can we do about Bristol? Because Bristol became a, became kind of a one line racetrack. So it wasn't as interesting and there wasn't just, they didn't have the ability to bump each other out of the way and make it as interesting as it used to be. Um, So, you know, attendance dropped, everything like that. NASCAR goes, what can we do about that? Let's put dirt on it. So Mm -hmm. for the past couple of years, they've had the Bristol dirt race in the NASCAR Cup Series, and it is so funny. And it wouldn't work at all. Like, it would be horrible to put F1 cars out there, but it would be hilarious, and I would swap probably Bristol dirt and you know I would I could do really any race on the F1 calendar but Monaco would be funny I think it would be great I am going to go ahead and project the winner of that race as Yuki Tsunoda based strictly on the Red Bull PR op from uh last year where they in Miami they ran in swamp buggies. I was Yuki, just thinking about that straight up beat Max Verstappen in a swamp <laughs> buggy race so my only pick based on the data I have and not my personal bias is Yuki. So this is he how we drive, get your Yuki yeah. podium. This is how we do it. Correct. Correct. Incredible. The Bristol, the Bristol F1 race. And for those who don't know, it is a half mile track. A yes. half, mile half mile of dirt. Enjoy your weekend, Max Verstappen, in the Tri-Cities area of East Tennessee. Do you okay? So here's a question that I had. Um, I went to a funeral in Oklahoma late last year, mm-hmm. and my question was, "Does Max Verstappen know what an Oklahoma is? Does he? Like, if you said Oklahoma, would Max Verstappen know what that was? No. Where is this? He would say something like that. Yeah, but would he know what, it was a this? state? If you said Max Verstappen, he's what been to is, Texas, right? He has, yeah. but that, times. but it's a big state. So, like, if you said Max Max Verstappen, what is an Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Would he know that it was a place in the world? I think that this is good F1 social content for when they come back to the States later this year. Just <laughs> do, like, is this a U.S. state or not? And just put random words and see if anyone. Ask him, I, ask him to place it on a map. Let's, I was let's, recently. Let's oh, I can't yes, even do that. I love that. I don't think most Americans can do that, and that's yeah. just because <laughs> well, no one see, learns see, geography. I have, I have a punchline built in, which is that Logan Sargent is last, <laughs> he and Logan know. Sargent does as badly as any of them because no, he's he an does American. absolutely. I was absolutely. I was on a Reddit thread that was like, "What's something that happens in America that like Europeans are shocked by?" And one of the one of the responses was like we were in um, like New York city and someone asked how to walk to Connecticut or something like that. And then another mm-hmm. one was like, Oh, there were these like French tourists in my hometown that thought they could drive from Chicago to Disney world in four hours. <laughs> and I just think that like, 
and these could all be made up things, but the yes, the the vastness of the United States of America is something that I think would be a, a funny playing ground for the, these drivers. I'm not going to lie. I am one of the geographically challenged Americans. <laughs> I was in Indiana for four or five days. And if you asked me what part of the United States Indiana is in, I could not tell you. I, I was like, oh, okay, we're in the Eastern time zone. Okay. I know generally where that is. You're also in the central time zone in Indiana. So okay, it see, does make things mm -hmm. more confusing. That's why I was a little bit confused because I was you're, like, ah, this feels like a little Depending. centrally. Like this doesn't feel really Easterny. But I don't I could not tell you where Indiana is. Only no. one of us voluntarily lived in Indiana. Yeah. I see. I wasn't gonna say it. Thank you. <laughs> Only one of you us. don't need to know anything. No. Mm -hmm. uh, look, I'll, I said it once and I'll say it again. People need to watch out for Indiana, okay? Just okay. Some, so where is Indiana going on there? Indiana, you're in between Ohio and Illinois, yep. and that's all you need okay, to know. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Good deal. Just north, I have a better just, idea. Just north of Kentucky. If and you're not west too far of Laporte, culturally, exactly. If you're west of Laporte, you're in Central Time. You don't need to know what Laporte is. Don't worry about that. Okay, mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know what Laporte is. Do you think Max Verstappen knows what Laporte is? <laughs> Probably no one not. Knows, no one knows what Laporte is. He's like, is that French? I'm gonna gonna I'm say. gonna ask him. Um I'm gonna ask him next time I get time. With Where's him on Indiana? This yeah. Where what is Oklahoma, Max yeah. Verstappen? He would be like, damn, this is the woman who asked me about Chris Angel, isn't it? Because I am <laughs> the woman who asked me about Chris Angel. Wow, 32 minutes into the show and the first mention of Chris Angel. Oh, I tried. I'm glad we got, it. I'm glad we got I had it in the under. though. Okay, I well, I, I tried to like reel it in. No, let let that let that flag fly. Oh, I know you so you're much. excited for Vegas later this year. Okay, I, I have another so question excited. for you because you're obviously oh, no. a, a car enthusiast. You post pictures of old Honda Accords all the time. Oh um, yes. What's the best car to pull up to the Casino de Monte Carlo Valet in? Oh, okay. Well, this is a question of what's the funniest car exactly. to pull up in, which I personally think. Are, so we're valeting. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. I am also like, would a Ford F one fifty like fit? like on the no, road there definitely okay because like no. that limits us to, to no like way. what's i don't think so physically possible i think you pull up in the monster truck geo metro from the movie masterminds so if you look up masterminds owen mm -hmm. wilson's character gets rich and buys a geo metro on tractor tires Sweet. that spits fire that's yes. what you pull up in. That there we go. Jessica's got. Yep, that's the. I, yep. I wrote that story. <laughs> I was just gonna say this is a Jalopnik link, this and it's like like, it's been years, and I still can't can't stop thinking about the Geo <laughs> Metro from Masterminds. Alana's King, published May fifteenth, twenty eighteen. Wow. That's so it's me. the five year anniversary of that. That's, uh, that's the five year anniversary. Post. I think that's what you pull up in. It's a good answer. I, I Je didn't Je have Jessica. That. What's your answer? When, a Honda you Civic. I'm just pulling Honda up Civic, in my Honda sure. Civic. Yeah. I'm pulling up in a uh in a What's Mazda. up? I'm ready to gamble. I'm pulling up in a Mazda Speed 3, the one There we the big, go. Oh, the 2009. My. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So they would big, be like ew. Big grin. Ew. What is that? It has a huge grin. It's like Yeah. I'm pulling up in the dumb smiley car with too much torque steer. <laughs> well, that's great. I think the people of Monaco would love us. Yeah. I'm gonna put a fart pipe on that thing too. So put a fart here. pipe on it. Ooh, I'm putting go. truck nuts on my car. Sweet. Do you oh. think anyone's ever had truck nuts in Monaco before? Yeah. No. Someone. That, they someone. don't know what truck nuts are for sure. Do you think Max Verstappen knows what truck nuts are? That's yes. a good question for yes. him. I bet he. I'm does. gonna come up with a list of things and ask if he knows what they are. Do you know what truck nuts are? 
he's going to be like, what? Can you go away? You again? <laughs> Toto Wolf would not appreciate truck nuts placed on an F1 car. Christian Horner? I think he would. He he would he would act like it was um, juvenile, but he would be laughing. Yes, yes. That's, That's exactly a weird it. British sense of humor that is like you can't really tell. Like they love penis jokes, but they also think that they're better than you, right? Like British yes. humor. It's mm-hmm. like this is this is the m- most top notch funny joke in the world, and it's just a dick joke. I, mm-hmm. I will say, as as somebody who has, I know, along with the rest of us, hung out with the mostly British F one press corps, uh, not true in person. Not true, in, not true in person at all in terms of we won't laugh at a fart joke. Nope. Nope. 100%. <laughs> it's all fart and dick jokes down the if line. If you don't laugh at a fart joke, I really question what's going on. Yeah. Personally. Uh, I have one more question for Ooh, you. Ooh. Okay. okay. One okay. more. Okay. Um, which would be, what product or company do you wish was a sponsor in F1? Oh, I mean, this is the irony question. Rich Rich energy. Energy. (laughs) (laughs) Rich energy. I would write a second book. Um, Reminder, everybody, that's Racing with Rich Energy. How a rogue sponsor took Formula One for a ride by Elizabeth Blackstock and Alanis King. Available wherever you get your books. Oh, that was incredible. Thank you. Um, I think it would have to be like a funny one. I think it would have to be like Applebee's or Chili's or just like something so ridiculously American, an American chain restaurant, Hooters, something really just not F1. Mm -hmm. I would love that and just make a really trashy paint scheme. I think it's beautiful. The one I want is BF Goodwrench. I I want. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I want somebody to have the three. I want that set. I want somebody to put the spirit of Earnhardt into F1 and create the racing kaiju that we all know needs to exist. That's beautiful, Jessica. Either that or Fig Newtons, because we'll just go straight Talladega. Ooh, I like Fig Newtons. That's a great sponsorship idea. I think that's that's the winner for me, Fig Newtons. Oh, yeah. I think the more ridiculous, the better. A silly treat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? Um... Beef, it's what's for dinner. That's a NASCAR race <laughs> Arby's. Sponsor. Arby's. What about so, Arby's? So, Arby's. Every, so the NASCAR the season, uh, the Xfinity series, which is their second tier, starts the season with the beef period. It's what's for dinner period. Mm-hmm. 300 at Daytona. And then there is the call 811 before you dig.com by call 811. <laughs> That's a thing. I love call eight one one before you dig dot com by call eight one one. No, by Arizona eight one one. Hey, listen, Luther. I know you just want to dig in that yard, and I know that above ground pool ain't gonna Don't put dig. itself in. But I need you to call eight one one. Call eight one one before we start you dig. tearing this thing up. Because you know, last time your cousin hit that gas line, things went a little sideways, didn't it? Uh huh. Oh my what god. What about if we just along the lines of beef? Uh, we go back. We harken back to the old college football days and put Beef O'Brady as a sponsor Ooh, on man. one of the cars. Love it. E- either either that or Cheez Its, man. Cheez Its is about that. Cheez Its is about that action sports wise. So we can oh. go ahead and get them in on it. I mean, I think there are some really stupid ones you can do. Um, oh, treatmyclot.com. That is a NASCAR race sponsor. Uh, the treat, the what? The treatmyclot.com 300. Mm-hmm. That's a NASCAR race. I, I made a whole treat my, list. Like my clot? Yeah, your clot. Like mm-hmm. your blood clot. That's the name of the company? That's the name I mean, of I guess the I NASCAR do know exactly right what they do. Right there in the do. name. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm telling you. Plus for 
for brand awareness and Listen, knowing what you're selling. There was Xfinity Xfinity sponsorships and college football bowl sponsorships. They are neck and neck. They are right I love there. that. Here we go. Um, the Goodies Fast Pain Relief 500. These are NASCAR race games. <laughs> That's a classic. SpongeBob SquarePants 400. Hell yeah. Gillette Fusion Pro Glide 500 presented by Target. Hell of a good sour cream dips at the Glen. The Cheez It 355 at the Glen. MyAfibStory.com 400. Yes. <laughs> Subway Jalapeno 250 powered by Coca Cola. I'm telling you, there's the GoBowling.com. There's all kinds of stuff. In French, SpongeBob is. Bob Leponge, like Bob the Sponge. Bob the Sponge. Okay, that Bob would be fantastic. That that would be fantastic. Let's put that on a car. Um, my last favorite is the Exalta races. Um, there's the Exalta We Paint Winners 400, and mm-hmm. then there's the Exalta Faster Period, Tougher Period, Brighter Period 200. So, there's a lot you could do here. Um. I think these would all be great F1 sponsors. Treatmyclot.com is mm-hmm. like, I'm going to have a nightmare about, about that company. It's never, name. ever Not leaving you. Jessica. The SpongeBob oh one, God. they had a bunch of, um, they had a bunch of SpongeBob characters in Victory Lane. So Jimmy Johnson won the SpongeBob SquarePants 400, mm-hmm. and you see him climb out of his car at Victory Lane, and Patrick's just over here like bouncing around mm-hmm. like the Patrick character. Is incredible, really. I would, like, I would have to celebrate that by doing the Patrick noise. I would yes. have to, like, if they're like, do you have any thoughts on, you know, your victory here today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just reading SpongeBob in different languages now. I, I The German one is actually very funny. Wait, let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh, no. SpongeBob Schwammkopf. Oh, no. Nice. Yeah. I love it. I do have, I do have like, one serious, like, comment question. I would love to talk to F1 sponsorship people because... There is a fascinating story from 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 like this little detour, but but I want to know what kind of sponsorship issues F1 has because at one point NASCAR didn't have to pick up the phone, mm-hmm. they didn't. People called them, people called them and just said we want this on this, and they got it. Like up until two thousand one, two thousand two, they just got it, and they never their salespeople really didn't know how to sell NASCAR because they never had to. It just mm-hmm. corporations, money flew out of the door and straight into NASCAR's pipes. And one day during the recession, the phone stopped ringing, which yep. is astonishing to me. So I kind of wonder like, well, what does NASCAR or what, what does F1 have? What what kind of issues does F1 have? Do, do At this point, does F1 still have to chase sponsors? Like, is that something they have to do? Or is it more of a demand side thing now where they get calls like i i that's something i don't know i'm just curious as to how that works given some of the big dollar right like i see enough big dollar stuff where you go well man they probably don't even have to pick up the phone and then sometimes you see a sponsor and you go that seems curious that That, seems curious yeah um so i would say that last year i went with a team sponsor to well i was i worked with a team sponsor to get time with a couple of drivers and originally the team gave them an hour with the drivers and then they cut it to 30 minutes and then they cut it to 15 and then they cut it to you can get in the van with them while they ride between appearances and this Mm -hmm. is the main the title sponsor on the team so currently in F1, the teams tell the sponsors what the deal is and what we're doing. Like the sponsors don't get to demand stuff. Whereas when you look at NASCAR, the sponsors can tell you whatever they want to tell you. because They can tell you, you what to say when you get right out of the car. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. Like they can tell you everything because they are the ones like 
you need them in formula one currently they need you but that always changes and so i think unless you start proactively working toward making formula one stable once the money stops being so there um you're gonna have the same issues that nascar is having and nascar is so dependent on sponsors that often drivers can't say all the things they would like to say so like i know plenty of drivers who are like yeah i just i can't i can't really do anything because i get in trouble because ultimately the sponsors determine everything i can do and there will probably be a day when that is the case for Formula One. Well, do we have any final thoughts on the Monaco Grand Prix, a race that we didn't really recap? Um, we didn't also, really say a single thing about it. Monaco, happens, it happened several days ago. So at this point, I feel like people know what happened. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the person who won in qualifying won the race. All right. And, so true. So true. But um, any other thoughts? Any other thoughts? I was huh. going to say, I was going to say coming up, Alanis, we have, um, if you didn't like if you didn't like a race where there wasn't much passing, uh, there's the Circuit de Catalunya, which oh. it's not going to help you a whole lot. Here either. we go. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have a great time. Uh, you know what? All I care about when the F1 races starts are making memes mm-hmm. and talking to my internet friends. And that was the really hard part about going to the Indy 500 was we did a meetup to autograph books and so we had a bunch of people come and we said all right we're gonna be here for 30 minutes and then we're gonna go watch the f1 race we saved for two hours Mm -hmm. (laughs) so we didn't watch the formula one race live we watched the first lap and then we were like okay it's over and we all went back to talking it was very weird to come home on monday and watch the f1 race by myself and so i think to me the quality of the race doesn't matter so much it's being able to watch it with like all the other people who are watching it on the internet and mm-hmm. so, you know, even if the race sucks, it's fine because I'm going to watch it live. I'm with you. I am just all I care about is memes. And did the boys have fun? And exactly. Most of the, the lads, boys had fun. Were the, the lads, lads, were the lads the safe? Lads, were they the happy or were they were, safe? Lance Stroll isn't too happy, but everyone else. The rest right. of them are all right. You know, they, they understand where they're at in life. Next even, year, or yeah, next week we'll talk about Mercedes' uh, big upgrade and everything else going on. But for now, <laughs> next week we'll talk about actual Formula One. Incredible! One, one, so hilar- glad to one hilarious this. note: they dropped that. They, they're like, "Oh, he had big upgrades. Big upgrade race got canceled. The next one was Monaco. Oh, uh, <laughs> he couldn't do anything. Oh, unlucky. Yeah. Maybe next year. All right. Maybe next year. That's what we have said for a couple of years now." <laughs> Um, that is Alanis King. Uh, you can find her um, again. Name of the podcast: Donut Racing Show (DRS). That is correct. Also, author of the Rich Energy book, which is a blast. If you have not read it, I Thank plugged you. it for the third time. You can also follow her on Twitter. Um, thank you for joining us, Alanis. Hey, Jessica. Thank you for having me. There's mm-hmm. an- there's another race this weekend, so we'll be Woo-hoo. talking next week. Yeah, next week we'll recap closer to the uh, time that the race actually happened. But mm. <laughs> there was this thing called Memorial Day this weekend, and it, it delayed us a bit. But we're here. So thanks for listening. Bye, y'all. Bye. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. 
Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 